Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney archive podcast. Welcome back to Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney archive podcast. Today we are talking about the fireman, and there's a good reason for that. The last episode we did was memory almost full. When Chris and I were talking about what we should do next, you know, because there are do we, is it kisses on the bottom? Are we doing new? Are we doing, what are we doing? There's a very clear McCartney album and it is Electric Arguments, but it is technically an album by the group, The Fireman. So instead of just diving headfirst into that album, Chris, what did we decide to do? Well, I think we want to do a roundup on Fireman and related projects. Right. So we're going to start all the way back, we're going to rewind a bit, go back to 1993, when this whole thing started. And to kick that off, I have a quote from Paul about what the Fireman Project is about. And here it is. That's the whole point about the Fireman. It's very free. And also, it's an approach I'm interested in. The whole idea behind Sgt. Pepper's was to create a band, and we could pretend that we were that band and not the Beatles. So we made that record with that in mind, but it's very free. It's a very joyful way to record. Sometimes it can be pretty scary, but that's okay. And it's very quick, but I enjoy that process because it's exhilarating. So that's a quote from Paul. And I got to tell you, Chris, I feel the same way right now because Hmm. there's so much material and some of this material I sort of remember and I sort of took notes on. (laughs) Right. So... (laughs) Well, look, a lot of this is, it's either dance music or it's closely related to dance music. And a lot of it is, you might call it space out music. Yes. You kind of zone out to this stuff. And I'm the sort of person, if you present me with zone out music, I will indeed zone right the fuck out and not really hear it Mm. and probably stop it because it becomes, music that's really repetitive becomes a little bit torturous for me. Right. That's just how I am. It's like someone scratching a spot on your knee and they just won't stop scratching that same spot. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's how, how I scratching experience. scratching your knee? <laughs> <laughs> well, wouldn't that be annoying? Yes, and absolutely. Just the knee. Absolutely. Could be your cheek or <laughs> your elbow. A little demon is it would, just scratching it would irritate your leg. You. Yeah. But listen, not everyone has that reaction to zone out repetitive droney music. Some people really enjoy it and really get into it. And I appreciate that. And I think that a lot of this is well done for what it is, but I'm going to be honest up front about yeah. how I feel about what it is, mm-hmm. you know, which is that this isn't my cup of tea, you know, for the most part. Yes. And I remember avoiding a lot of these fireman projects for a long time, hearing them and being like, okay, well, what is this exactly? I don't understand. And I would put it on and you know, give up on it. Then in college, some of this type of music was being taught. So I went back to it and I'm like, well, it's not that interesting compared to what we're learning in class. I will say I successfully put on Strawberry Ocean's Ships, Forest, and Rushes 
on in my car in California, driving around early morning, late evening, and I got through the records. Like I made it all the way through. Mm-hmm. And there is a very clear progression that Paul and producer Youth go through. Yes, I agree. I just find it so fascinating that it ends up being electric arguments. Because I remember mm-hmm. when that thing came out, I just did not expect this to happen. I had gone yeah. to live in New York and this album came out and I paid attention to it a bit, but I didn't realize at the time just how damn good it is. Yeah, Electric Arguments is quite different from the other two yes. Fireman albums. Yes. Well, it parts of it are similar to the other two. Parts of it are similar to the best parts of the other two, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And parts of it are, holy cow, Paul McCartney album. Yes, yes. Really, the first, the first half of it feels like, whoa, this is, I remember hearing it in 2008, right on the heels of Memory Almost Full, which I really had liked, mm-hmm. and just being like, what is going on here? Like, right. there's a secret Paul McCartney album? <laughs> yeah. I find it fascinating that he didn't just make it a McCartney album. I understand he wanted to give credit to youth. Totally understand. And I kind of like this. I like that there are three of these Fireman projects Yeah, with some bonuses here. And they lead up to just a great record of a loose, free form, rocking at times, odd and bizarre at times. Some of that relaxing element you're talking about is introduced in Electric Arguments, but there are song structures, so you don't need to, so you don't feel like you have somebody scratching the back of your neck with a hot poker, I guess. <laughs> you know? Right. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just think this whole project is very very fascinating. It's also interesting that there's a there's a progression in the in the way it's presented to the audience because on the first album uh, Strawberries Oceans Ships Forest, the cover art is really minimal, basic colors. Yes. Title. It's from Parlophone, so it doesn't give you any indication that it's MPL or anything like that. Mhm. And by the time you get to Electric Arguments, uh, on the LP anyway, it says Fireman, Electric Arguments, and then Youth, Paul McCartney below that. Mm-hmm. So at that point, they've come out as, you know, the duo that they are. Right. The red of Strawberry, then the slightly less red. You're like, oh, so this is a door or this, I don't know what this thing is exactly. And then you pull mm-hmm. out and it's more of a fully formed piece of art on Electric Arguments. It's cool. And it's... More proof that Paul is not just a wacky thumbs aloft guy. He is a thoughtful artist. And what a delight it is to have this. I yeah. don't know if I'm going to be listening to Strawberries, Oceans, Ships, Forest again in the next 10 years. It might be another 10 I'm not. years. <laughs> that was the one that was probably the most challenging for me of the three. And I have a couple quotes from Youth here. He says, So I went down to Hog Hill Mill and I started sampling. I said, what would be great is if you could just add a couple of things to the loops I've taken off the multi-tracks and just take it a bit further. And he was happy to do that, referring mm-hmm. to Paul. I got him jamming, got him on his guitar, and all these other instruments. He's got such a great collection. He goes on to say, after he gets the tapes back to his home studio, he says, he and Linda and some of the kids would come down, sit in on the sessions until three or four, and got a real buzz out of some of the alternative mixes I was doing for the ambient ones, and really, really loved it. And then he came back, and he said, I want to put all these mixes out. Because these were mixes that Youth was just doing as a couple of remixes from off the ground. Yes. So he goes on to say, they're actually for editing into one mix. And Paul says, no, no, 
He's often like this. <laughs> so the first album was really all the different mixes from that one session. Hmm. And that explains why they sound all the same, right? It really is like one track being iterated. Yeah, he was either remixing the title track of Off the Ground or Hope of Deliverance. Uh-huh. It's not very clear. I mean, I couldn't quite figure it out. He's, I couldn't make it out, yeah. He was remixing a song for this record, and you can definitely hear a lot of the soundscape of Off the Ground in that record. And I just think sure. it's hilarious that we have Off the Ground, then we have a secret Off the Ground second disc that's not so secret, and then, oh, also you have another whole album of soundscape stuff. It's all from off the ground. He just was really getting off on the fact that he had this new studio and all this time to create and make stuff. So from what I understand, aside from off the ground, you have things from back to the egg including parts of reception and the broadcast, then parts Mm -hmm. of a record by Sabrina, and I don't know this artist, called Boys, 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 and then new material from Paul, which seems to me like guitars and drums, Mm -hmm. but who knows? It could be key. It could be everything. You, You don't... Right. That's the whole point of this project. We don't really know. Well, as I was listening through this, it occurred to me that they were all in the same key and all at the same tempo and that I could actually line them all up and play them simultaneously. So I'm going to do that for everyone right now. That, I cannot wait to hear that. They are all pretty much the same track, you know, kind of different iterations of the same remix strategy. So this thing was released November 15th, 93 in the UK on Parlophone, February 14th, 94 on Capital. So quite a bit of time between the UK release and the US release, but more than we've seen in Paul's career. The, the track Trans Spiritual Stomp was released as a 12-inch with Arizona Light Mix as the B-side. I guess we can speak to youth for a second before we get off of Strawberries, Oceans, Ships, Forest, SOSF. So youth is a gentleman named Martin Glover, born in 1960, so a little bit younger than Paul. He's an English record producer, and he was the bassist of the band The Killing Joke. So Youth is straight up just a member of The Fireman. It's not as if he's just a remix artist for Paul. Like, he is in the group. It's the two guys. 
And, and, and I don't want the whole episode to sound like this, but I was digging into Youth's career and I don't know nearly any of these artists that he's worked with or for, except for maybe Melanie C of... Well, Crowded House. Crowded House, right. PM Dawn, I think, also. So this is British culture dance slash there's some metal. I guess Killing Joke was closer to a metal band. Uh-huh. These are English musicians. And from what I understand, this whole project was intended to just be released in the UK. It's like a British-facing music business thing. It reminds me a bit of the Thrillington concept that Paul had for Ram. Yeah, it is like that. Or Susie and the Red Stripes. Right. I have one quote here So from Paul. The brief for me was that he, youth, should only use stuff from our recordings because dance mixes often feature a kick drum sample or a James Brown snare drum sound, and as a consequence, the record ends up sounding a bit like someone else's. So I told youth that I'd prefer any sound he might select to come off of our recordings, mainly mm-hmm. off the ground. And maybe mm-hmm. you touched on a bit of that in your quote before. That's it. Paul put this out, limited release in the UK. They didn't even mention Paul. Eventually, it was discovered that Paul was involved, and and that was that. I have a bit of press, and this is the only real press I could find was even on Wikipedia. So uh, a Melody Maker review, Michael Bonner writes, you know, Paul McCartney has discovered dance music, and the results are as staggeringly brilliant as those that came from John Linden's similar Road to Damascus-like conversion that year. This is 93. Truly, we live in an age of miracles. Okay. (laughs) Shewing the easy option of making a remix album, McCartney and his collaborator Youth have chosen to follow the likes of Brian Eno down a more experimental and cerebral path. Hmm. They take a melody and with dexterous gene hopping through ambient trance and house evolve a number of breathtaking variations. Like Snowflakes, each song seems identical to the last until closer inspection reveals that it has its own unique shape. Youth later said that, had he realized at the time that McCartney was going to eventually release all nine tracks as a single album, he would have varied the proceedings a bit more. Mm. So, to me, it sounds like one long song. Yeah, that's how it ends up. Or track, rather, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and Paul, of course, had not suddenly discovered dance music as we've demonstrated again and again on the show, going back at least into the 70s. He was experimenting with synthesizers and drum machines and and doing dance music of all, all sorts. I mean, that is a bit of a pattern we are finding in his career at this point. The whole best since argument and also the yeah, right. Paul has just done X when yeah. that's false. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's he what he does. He did that 20 years ago, so... <laughs> yeah.
So shall we move on to rushes? Rushes. Okay. Well, for me, this one was an improvement. Oh, how's that? I was n- not nearly as bored by this. Mm. It wasn't just one track over and over. And within the tracks, there's a lot of textural change. So, you know, it's a bit hypnotic and repetitive for my tastes, but I thought this was much more engaging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not engaging enough that I can point to a favorite track exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I did have a better experience listening through it. Well, I think I can. I like that fluid one, the one with the woman moaning all over it. And maybe I'm just a okay, creep, yeah. but... And I also mm-hmm. dig the Palo Verde, which has that... Because here we go, we're getting... Okay, yeah, I did enjoy that one in particular. We're getting yeah, some lyrics. We're getting some yes, Paul right, McCartney yes. singing. And also the instrumentation on that. That's another one that had a lot of shifting texture stuff going on. Yeah. So there's definitely like an evolution from the first record to this one. So release was September 21, 98 in the UK on Hydra and October 20th, 98. So not as long, just a month later in the US. And it was released as a double vinyl. Two 12-inch singles were released, both mixes of the track Fluid. The first 12-inch released on the same day and this with the same name as the album contains the tracks Fluid, Apple, Tree, Cinnabar, Amber. What a... T- was these titles are crazy. And an extended version of an album track titled Bison. It was just called Bison Long One. And then the second 12-inch was actually released in 1999 as a limited edition of 3000 titled Fluid. And it features, you know, a few remixes. So Fluid, the Fluid Out of Body and Mind Mix, Fluid Out of Body Mix, and Fluid... Out of body with sitar yeah. mix. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Bison's on there. One more quick thing on those remixes. Yeah. Those Fluid remixes. I noticed that there's a, a group called Fluid, the Knit and Sawney remixes. Yes. Yeah, oh, yes. That goes back to Knit and Sawney from the last episode, who's, you know, the producer who was involved in My Soul. Right. So interesting to see that come up again. it's a requiem for linda and i didn't know i didn't read anything before i was listening i just wanted to go in cold like they had just been released and i was like horses let me love you always the most fascinating thing about this record for me and maybe it is for you too as bootleg and demo seekers is that there are these tracks let me love you always which is an unreleased song it's on the track Paulo Verde. And then, hey now, what are you looking at me for? Unreleased track, like bits from that in mm-hmm. Oravita, Bison, and 7AM. Oh, I liked Bison. Bison's actually. cool. Yeah, that was a standout track for me. Bison, yeah. Bison, the one where Paul's on drums and Youth is playing the bass and they're just killing uh-huh. it. Yeah.
Yeah, I actually made, now that we're talking about it, go buy this for vinyl. Because this was, this is kind of like a record you put on late at night and have a couple drinks or something else, you know, and just ride with it. Paul's actually playing these tracks. Like, this is not off right. the ground or what What era would that be? This isn't like Paul taking the best bits of flaming pie <laughs> and trying to work them into rushes. Yeah, when is this? This is 98, so this is around the time of flaming pie. Right after flaming pie, right? Or simultaneous? So Linda was not gone yet. And from what I had read... Youth was saying Paul would come and we'd be working on this, and he could tell he was working through something. And that's why he calls it the Requiem for Linda, because you have the horses on it. You have all of these little bits of songs, him talking about letting me love you always. You got some real good performances from him. It's a tribute to Linda near the end of her life. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely 98, 97, this type of era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. It's a lot. But there's a main theme Watercolor Guitars is like the main theme of the record. It sneaks in and out of things. You have a couple singles. You have a whole ton of remixes. Then apparently there were two other tracks, Plum Jam and Through the Marshes, which would have been included but were cut from the record. Couldn't find any press really on this one either. Hmm. It was better received than the last record, but it kind of popped up and disappeared. Did you listen to Clean Machine? I did not, although I do have it. I'm just realizing that I overlooked it. Well, it's it might be best that you did because okay, it reminds me of P.S. Love Me Do in the sense that so Clean Machine it's an electronic dance song that Paul did in '99 to promote the Linda McCartney racing team, and it was available on the team website. So horses, not race cars. And it contained sampled bits of Penny Lane. And I had heard this thing years and years, probably when it came out. And I thought it was somebody remixing Paul. But it's actually Paul in the studio with all the equipment trying to do like a very 90s dance song. Originally from the Dingle, Liverpool. Mary had a little lamb. One of only three. Kind of an outside project. Good luck. She come from Liverpool. She come from Liverpool. Who are you looking at? Back in the pool. Robbing Maggie Bay. We hit the birds. Let it go! Let it go! What are you doing? Great. Great. Great to see it again. What do you think of Liverpool? It's brilliant. And I'm made up that you keep coming back all the time. Oh, yeah. 
too. I love it. Yeah. What do you think of the Beatles? Favorite band, and I believe you've won all the awards and everything. The, the Millennium, Millennium and all that. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, you're the most, you know. Not bad, eh? Not like a bit too cold for you. No. <laughs> now this is the lady who gets me my chips. So uh, yeah. tell them, tell us where you get them. I mean, I get from the chippy around the corner, or the last time I made them myself for you. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, on that note, I think we better stop. See you, love. Thanks a lot. Name's Anne. Anne Williams, And her name is Anne Williams. Thank you. And Anne from the airport. What's your name? Mark Pauline. Yeah, where are you from? Uh, originally from the Dingle. Before we dive into electric arguments, because I know everybody is chomping at the bit for us to get to that, there is another project that youth is partially involved in, and it's the Liverpool Sound Collage. Yes. So the Liverpool Sound Collage is an electronic album by Paul, which is also credited to the Beatles, Super Furry Animals, and Youth. So because Paul was so heavily involved in its creation, this is generally considered a part of his main discography. And it comes from Peter Blake asking him to create a bit of music with a Liverpool spirit in order to complement his artwork exhibition at the time. And so Paul ends up using bits of The Beatles parts of his 1991 classical piece, the Liverpool Oratorio. What would you call that, Chris, where he's like interviewing people on the street, like found music? Oh, yeah. Asking people what they thought of the Beatles and things like that. (laughs) (laughs) What? An asshole. (laughs) I'm obviously joking. So this was held at the Tate Gallery in London. And I think this is a very interesting piece. What do you think of this? Yeah, it's pretty fun. There are parts of it that I like a great deal and parts of it that become a bit, again, monotonous to me. Mm-hmm. I actually like it best when the drums and bass and stuff aren't there. Right. Those are the parts that I find a, a little bit more ordinary sounding. And then the other parts with the interview snippets and the Beatles studio talk, that's that's kind of cool. You hear John singing... Mr. Moonlight, and you hear them talking a little bit from the Think for Yourself sessions. Right. Sounds like they're singing some ideas to each other, maybe. It's um, interesting. Um, 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 and all those. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Plastic Beetle, Peter Blake 2000, Real Gone Dub Made and Manifest in the Vortex of the Eternal Now. That's our youth track, the one where Paul mm-hmm. asks, ah, yes. what do you think of the Beatles? <laughs> then Made Up and... Free now, and free now, for what it is and for what it's worth. I, that's just my take on it. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, <laughs> and so it, <laughs> it wasn't until I guess it wasn't until 2017 it was revealed the chorus of "Free Now" was taken from take nine of the title track from Sgt. Pepper. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Oh, baby, now. I think it'll probably be another day singing it. Yeah, I just heard it then, that was nice. Yeah. 
And what you can do with the bits where you can't get it because you haven't got enough breath, you can just stop. Just take over, The whole thing got a Grammy nod for the best experimental album that year, but it lost to Radiohead, Kid A. Well, it seems that people in Paul's orbit are doing well. Yes. Yes. So the only press I pulled for this record is from Richard S. Janelle from All Music. The hype mill, stoked in part by McCartney himself, promoted this CD as nothing less than a posthumous chapter in the Beatles saga. A new little piece of the Beatles, in Paul's words. So I noticed that the tracks are not all credited actually to Paul McCartney. Track one, you have Paul McCartney and the Beatles. Track two, you have Super Furry Animals and the Beatles. Track three, the one with the long, unwieldy title, Real Gone Dub Made in a Manifest in the Vortex of the Eternal Now, as you just said, that's credited to youth. And then Made Up to Paul McCartney and the Beatles, Free Now, Paul McCartney, the Beatles, and Super Furry Animals. So... In other words, Paul doesn't take full credit for this whole thing. No, 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 no. But I remember finding it in some record store file under Paul, being like, what is this? And it was at the time where you could preview CDs for whatever reason. Uh huh. And turning it on and being like, ooh, new Paul, let's see what this sounds like. What the f yeah. is this? <laughs> so I guess if there's anything to wrap up on this project, is I really also like the art. And I think those are drawings by Paul himself. So is this the first appearance of the Paul McCartney done cover art that, you know, we end up seeing later on a few other projects? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's a cool cover. I really like it. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at this cover. It's really, it's pretty classy. Design-wise, it is too, with this kind of cardboard backdrop. and. Mm hmm Shall we do it? Shall we talk about what everybody is here for? Electric arguments. Let's do it. So this album was first announced September 29, 2008 on Paul's website. And it was released November 24th, 2008, actually on the Duo's website, the Fireman website. This is the first Fireman release to be publicly acknowledged by Paul McCartney. And the album cover, like you said earlier, features the names of both contributors in contrast to the earlier works, which no mention of them at all. Each of the songs on this record were recorded in one day. So that means the album itself was completed in only 13 days, which spread over the course of the year, which I don't know, because there are some bonus tracks, so it might have actually taken a bit longer. Hmm. That bit of research might be wrong. 
The duo borrowed the title Electric Arguments from the poem Kansas City to St. Louis by Allen Ginsberg. So Allen Ginsberg is back again. In Wired Magazine, McCartney stated this was because he's been looking at the beauty of word combinations rather than their meaning. Paul has a quote. We had a ball making this album, and it was a great departure because it seemed more like improv theater. In the improv spirit, there are William Burroughs-type cut-ups in the lyrics. I came to sing the changes as well as the other songs in the album with absolutely no concept of what the melody or the lyrics would be about. Mm-hmm. So it was like writing on the spot, which I think lent an electricity to the whole sound. And the lyrics in this album rock. They're really cool. Some of them are really interesting, yeah. He's good at stream of consciousness stuff. He's always been great at that. Yeah, really, really great. I mean, look at Jet, you know? How about Jet? Thanks for reminding me about Jet, actually, because we're so far away from oh, that know, material right? <laughs> that sometimes I forget that that exists. But anyway. Jet! So the charts on this record, Electric Arguments debuted at number 79 on the UK album charts, obviously because of Paul's name marking the first appearance for this group in the charts, period. They peaked at number 67 in the Billboard 200. So naturally, Paul's name associated with the project is going to knock it up a couple of notches. But did the Liverpool sound collage show up in the charts? No. It's because this is a record. Yeah, this is a real record. So, Chris, what do you think of the record cover? Yeah, I've got this one on vinyl, and it's... It actually came with the CD. I love it when they do that, mm, get, the, mm-hmm. get the CD in there. Uh, it also comes with a, a big booklet. It's pretty cool. A lot of the art that Paul was doing during this album and some of it with youth, I think. Right. A really extravagant LP design. And the art itself is fun. Super colorful, you know, super kinetic, lots of movement, visible brush strokes and stuff. I'm embarrassed to say this publicly. I really skipped over this record when it came out. I played it Hmm. once, made it through the A side, tried to get into the B side, and I was like, um, on to the next thing. And then, because I thought I'd come back to it late. I mean, I did 10 years later. And so here we are. Like, is that cover, is that Paul's art? I don't don't even know. Oh, it is. Okay. Yes. While they were making the album, part of what they were doing together was getting together and just making a visual art too. Part of what the LP booklet has yeah. is not just pictures of the art, but pictures of them together, you know, fooling around with paint and stuff. That sounds just so fun. This whole project yeah, just right? is fun. And maybe it's better than Paul going into a studio with a guy that's like a big prop producer. He knows, oh, I got to do an album. I got to tour the album. I got to do publicity. I got to do this. I got to do the other thing. He just wants to make a record like he used to in the old days, like art school stuff. I get it. Yeah, this feels really fun and free. And I can see Paul really thriving with the do a song each day kind of routine, because think about Ram. That's what they were doing back in the Ram days, too. Right, right, right. Of course, he was bringing written songs in in those cases, or mostly written, as opposed to this being make it up on the spot. But, well, that's getting into wildlife territory, right? It does have a wildlife Ram feeling to a lot of it. It makes me wonder. So I've been talking about this a lot, not necessarily on the show, but with people because because of our podcast, people always ask me, oh, what's your favorite Paul McCartney album? Yeah. And I go, I don't know. Ram, I guess. 
So I've been thinking about Ram a lot again recently. What would Paul McCartney's career have looked like if that record didn't get slammed at the time? I think he might have made more records like that in that vein, that homey, mm. surreal, weird kind of thing that you, I know you love, I love. Yeah. This is that. Well, that's part of why I reacted really strongly to this album at the time. And I remember not being able to get anyone to talk to me about it, including you. Yeah, because I, I skipped over it. I, I'm, I'm, I hold my hand up, man. I, well, I, I guess I thought I must be hearing something no one else was hearing because it just seemed no one else was very excited about it. Although it did get some good reviews, as, as we'll see. But I remember just thinking, well, I, I, there must be some quirky reason that I like this. But it does seem as if it, it's gotten good reviews, and I think you've warmed up to it, right? Oh, big time. Big time warmed up to it. Yeah. And I put it on for my wife the other day, because some of these records, these later Paul albums, she's just like, will you turn that off? I can't even listen. <laughs> That's the worst <laughs> song I've ever heard. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I, so I had this stuff on, and she's like, who is this? This is amazing. And I said, who do you think it is? And she's like, is it McCartney? Yep. She's like, why didn't he do more of this? Yeah. And I go, I don't know. I'm not sure. Now, I would point out that for me, this album, I love the first half of it. And as you continue into the second half, it becomes quite monotonous. So it kind of peters out for me, Yeah. this one. Mm -hmm. At some point, I notice I'm not paying much attention anymore. That happens right around halfway. I would say for me, it's like lifelong passion mm -hmm. where I go, okay. And then the rest of those songs more or less are like the same kind of meditation. Right. Which is cool. But yeah, like Sun is Shining and Light from Your Lighthouse and Highway. I mean, those are very distinct records in my memory. Exactly. I mean, the thing about that first half is that it sounds nothing like The Fireman. So maybe we're missing the whole freaking point. <laughs> but, right, exactly. You know, we're liking the things that sound the most like a Paul album and the least like the previous Fireman stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel I can hear that the Fireman aesthetic and that youth's production aesthetic is really lending a lot to this material. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of what I'm liking about this first half, it's not that the songwriting is so clever or anything like that. In fact, it's... Well, we'll, we'll get into it in a bit. I'll go ahead and say... That one thing that's fun about this album to me is the fact that although I'm very enthusiastic about the first half of this album, it violates all my little prohibitions on what I would normally like. And I love it when that happens, when something that isn't doing what I would normally like or need to have happen in a record, it, it ends up winning me over anyway. People have gleaned what I'm into by now from listening to the show. And I tend to get bored with songs that are just a few chords or that are just simple chords or that are repetitive. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a whole album of stuff that's what I just said, and yet I really dig it. And I think I dig it largely because of how it sounds and feels in this case. Exactly, and yeah. I think some of that has to be on youth, has to be on Martin Glover. So you're definitely right. He brings a lot, a lot to this record. And then it got me thinking, how many collaborators does Paul rely on like this over this big of a span of time. I mean, you had the Beatles and then the Beatles broke up naturally. You had Denny 
He had Linda, but he was married to Linda. He would come back to George and he would come back to Ringo, but sometimes I think those were marketing moves. In this later era, he's just going from producer to producer. He works with the guy, he's like, see ya, on to the next thing. He must really like this guy. And I think youth really like lets Paul know what's good and bad, but without the whole press story around it. It just is like a good working relationship. Well, actually, in this book, Fab, Mm -hmm. An Intimate Life of Paul McCartney by Howard Soons, he has some theories about why these guys got along. He says, To undertake the work he hired Martin Glover, founding member of the band Killing Joke, who, despite being 31 years old, went by the name Youth. Youth quickly established a rapport with McCartney, the two musicians sharing a similar hippie-ish mindset and manner of speaking. Paul was, of course, one of the original hippies, Youth was part of a second generation who found inspiration in the same values, his conversation referencing Bardic and pagan English traditions, talking about the wheel of the year and other such new age stuff that Paul empathized with. Hmm. And also, Youth has something to say about that. So Youth actually comments a little bit and says about these projects, this was supposed to be an antidote to him doing commercial releases or songs with record company pressure. It doesn't take a lot of imagination to imagine how much of a box being Paul McCartney could be. And the idea of wanting to do things outside of that box with no previous association anonymously can be very attractive. Hmm. He's referring there to the early days of youth. But you can kind of see what Paul's getting out of this, this chance to sort of be someone else. And But that's exactly it. That's exactly why this is a Fireman project and not a Paul McCartney project. Yeah. He thought he had a cool album and he already did the Ram thing, and he got roasted and toasted for it. He's like, I'm not going to let that happen again. So if he goes, oh, this is my weird stuff, by putting it under this moniker, yeah. there you go. That's it. Yeah, You cracked it, Chris. I love how weird this album is. Even where it fails at times, I love the fact that he's doing something like this. Yes. In 2008. That's great. Me too. I'm going to actually listen to it after... We record this podcast. I'm going to go buy it on vinyl. Oh, the original LP was really lavish, like I said. And sounds good. So should we dive in? I think we shall. Nothing too much, just out of sight. So from what I understand, this title was inspired by Jimmy Scott. That's the Obladi Oblada guy. Paul was inspired by this phrase, you know, has the has the title, and then I guess 
Hall and Youth were pulling phrases out of random poetry books to create the lyrics. Again, sounds like a good time. It does sound like a really good time. (laughs) I'm just going to read verse one. Nothing too much, just out of sight. You say you love me. This is true. The best thing to do is to lie down beside me. I said I love you. Well, nothing too much, just out of sight. Oh, don't you want to be fair? When you went away in the twilight, it was all right. It was all right. All right? I love that. (laughs) I love that shit, man. He's just making it up. He's just has. (laughs) But it doesn't have that chopping broccoli thing to it. It's cool. (laughs) That's true. You know? Yeah, it's got that kind of improvised vocal thing. Yeah, really cool. This song really rocks. And distorted harmonica, man, it sounds... And the vocals are also quite distorted. Annie's really singing in in a pretty raw way here. Really, really is, yes. I think there's a line later in the song. He's like, I was ready to test. I was ready to test with the white of your ribs. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That is just good stuff. And we have gotten a lot of criticism, which I actually welcome warmly, about how like particular we are about lyrics. But isn't that half of the songwriting process? They're there, and we look at them. They're and there yeah, to look a, at. A big part of what a song is, yeah. We've also been very generous with some really wacky lyrics, so I think we we balance it out. Yeah. Don't you think as as just a, a rock record, this is about as raw as anything he does, at least since 2000? Yes. There is a still rocking raw element that Paul brings out that he doesn't bring out enough, in my opinion, and... I mean, this is up there with some of his best rockers, period. I think so, yeah. It doesn't have that, dare I say, saccharine quality that something like Only Mama Knows may, even though I love that song. Yeah, I like that one. Only Mama Knows, it's like, all right, we've dialed in a Paul Rock song. This is just like, bam, gut, right. rock, raw right. energy. This feels very genuine. Yeah, starts this album out with a bang, and I'm just like, wait, what is happening? What's the next thing, you know? Well, the next thing's sweet. Oh, two magpies. I saw two magpies. A girl and a boy. One for sorrow, two for joy. With no salutes, I move away. And long to face, 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 face down fear. Ooh. I saw two mud pies. There was a girl and a boy. One for sorrow, two for joy. Content to cry, no more to lie. I move away. And lie in truth. These little birds love 
shiny objects and they just like collect them into their nests. So sometimes like a magpie's nest will will just have all these like little bits of metal or fur or like bedazzlements. And exactly. And so two magpies. I just think this is a cool title. It's a song about freedom. Paul loves birds. This is another bird song. We got Blackbird. We got Bluebird. We got Jenny Wren. We got the Magpies. Am I missing any? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a way, Jet's on that general topic of flying away. Right. Paul wants out of here sometimes. And <laughs> this is one of the best examples of that, in my humble opinion. Yeah. So this is a bit in the Hey Diddle tradition that we've referenced many times. But it's also a bit distinct from that. It's a bit thornier, I would say, musically. Absolutely is. It definitely has a darker edge to it, a more uh-huh. mature edge. Maybe this is to Hey Diddle as Jenny Wren was to Blackbird. Right. I Wow, like I the, love the that. Darker, later version. I yeah. love I never would have connected that one. What an intimate sounding record this is, too. He's got the original demo in there a little bit. And you can hear his little girl Beatrice in the background. Yes. I did not know that. Yeah. I thought that was filtering, just a filtering effect. And you also get the double bass. He's got the Bill Black double bass on this. Sounds beautiful. Seems to be really close mic'd. And by this point, Paul can actually play the double bass. Yes, he can. Because if you <laughs> <laughs> like if you go back to Cook of the House or some of those records where he's kind of, yeah, you slide into that note. He really has some of these hand positions down. Yeah, I mean, you you get that from Chaos and Creation at Abbey Road when he does that. Right. Oh, yeah, the badass psych. Since my baby left me. Yeah. Content to cry, no more to lie. In truth with you, to face down fear. Tend to cry, no more to lie, no more to lie, and face down fear. Excellent vocal on this track, too. Mm-hmm. He's right in there in his head voice. Sometimes in his head voice, he's a little gravelly. And that, to me, is always a weird sound when you're in head voice singing lightly, but there's a bunch of gravel on it. Mm-hmm. But here, it's it's quite smooth. He sounds good. I love the, the counting. One for sorrow, two for joy. And then the next chorus is uh, one for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl, four for a boy. I saw two magpies. Queenie Eye, where he takes like schoolyard, British schoolyard nursery rhyme, whatever the hell those things are. And he like weaves them into songs. And he's doing that a bit here. Not that I'm saying this is one of those. I don't think it's that. But it's cool. It's not like forced or pushed into some pop song. It just sounds like some song from either a million years ago or from recently that he just kind of picked up, dusted off and played. I think that's what makes it so cool. There's just kind of a casualness to it. I really think it's youth that brings that out in Paul. The more we're talking about this album right now, the more I hope we get another Fireman album. Or just more Paul like this. Right. A youth-produced Paul McCartney record.
so that brings us to Sing the Changes. Yes. Track three. Single from the record and just a great song. I remember seeing him play this, actually, on tour. He basically played it on tour from 2008 until 2012, like when this came out until 2012. I don't know if he's played it recently, but yeah, it was. I saw it live, too. It was rocking. Yeah, it was really cool. And I was, you know, one of the few people excited to hear it. But (laughs) I remembered everyone else going to the bathroom. I'm like, yeah, play the new stuff, man. Play the new stuff. Give me that new Paul, (laughs) Fireman. (laughs) Yeah, I really enjoy this track. And, you know, this is one of several tracks on here. Let's see. It's this one and Sun is Shining, maybe a little bit Lifelong Passion, maybe a little bit Is This Love, that remind me a lot of something like Astral Weeks by Van Morrison. Right. And I think I'm liking these for the same reason that I like that. That yes, it's drony, but it's really got an amazing sound and a beautiful energy to it. And I don't mind staying in this place for a little while. Right. As with Astral Weeks. And he also is sort of saying interesting things. And of course, with Astral Weeks, you've got a real band. But here, you know, Paul expertly creating an ensemble all by himself. Yeah, this is definitely like a highlight on the record. I don't have really anything bad to say about it whatsoever. Stream of consciousness lyrics. I like how he repeats himself a bit in the lyrics because they really are coming out of the top of his head. It's almost just like, you know, like a big chorus or something, like a chant or a mantra or however you want to phrase it. It's hypnotizing in the way that the first Fireman album is not where it kind of grabs you and you're paying attention to it and it takes you down a road and you just want more and more of it, whereas maybe that first record you kind of put on in the background. So seems as if Paul made some use of his newfound mandolin skills on this record too. Yeah. don't mm. I don't hear it all that prominently, but it is one of the instruments here. Yeah, I like Paul and the mandolin are like instruments that he doesn't understand. Yeah, definitely. Oh, he's a total inspiration that way. Yeah, pick it up. Play the thing. I figured it out. The the funny weird chord. And it's like, that weird chord, I think, is just a minor chord, Paul, or like a minor niner or something like that. Yeah, the sense of childlike wonder. I think that's a good image. Sing the changes. Just a cool phrase. Like a lot of these, like you were saying before, the old hippie stuff, they spoke the same way. Feel the quiet in the thunder like the sun playing in the morning. Hippie stuff. Because it's against such a compelling background instrumentation. I can't get enough. I like what Parasi says. Surely a hit, if only it had been issued in the 70s. (laughs) Okay, yeah. I'm 
that leads us to the next track, Traveling Light. Traveling Light. This is the first song they recorded. So I guess Youth runs a record label called Butterfly that puts out Sea Shanty Records, which that is amazing. And I need to get some of those (laughs) immediately. And so that was the inspiration, I guess. Youth had left uh, one of his CDs for Paul. Traveling Light came out of it. I fly through the blue sky to wherever you All the colors, like the, the white wind, blue bird, blue sea, green leaf. Like the way he kind of spots them out, I find very clever. There almost is no organization to it, but the way Paul organizes what goes into his brain, I find very fascinating when you actually read him out on the page. So I hate to do this every time he records a triple meter song in a minor key, but it makes me think of Don't Let It Bring Me Down. And I think I could be forgiven, what with the flute on this and the Mellotron. Not that there's a Mellotron on London Town, but you know that kind of retro vibe. Doesn't Don't Let It Bring Me Down have a sea shanty feeling to it yeah, as well? For sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, literally recorded on a boat, yeah. It better sound like a sea shanty. A few of those do. The Denny Lane tracks do too on London Town. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't mind a sea shanty is what I'm saying to you, Mercer, man. I, yeah. I, you know. No, I'm, yeah, I'm digging it. Yeah. <laughs> so on the LP, that actually is the end of side one, but this is one of those LPs where it's a, it's a double LP of a CD. So these aren't real sides. No. At any rate, you would flip it over at this point on the LP to get to highway. This is such a great track, Highway. And he played this in 2009 and 10 as well. I'm pretty sure I saw like a later performance of this thing. This sounds like a Run Devil Run on drugs kind of holdback or something. Like this one rocks. Another excellent rocker. It's not a boring rocker. No. Yeah, it's sonically really interesting, like all these tracks are, and it's got some real good energy. Uninhibited, really good performing, really good changes, just the way like the song is structured all in. It just feels great. Do ya, do ya, do ya, do ya. 
Yeah. Yes, I do. Maybe it is Run, Devil, Run, the last time we heard a straight rock number with this kind of energy from him. Yeah, I know we touched on Run, Devil, Run, and we talk about Paul's voice a lot, which, hey, I mean, that is also part of the recording, part of the song. Sometimes he just gets into this groove where all of the instrument is working, and it just comes out crystal clear. And it's a lot to do with him not thinking about it. Mm. This whole project, from what we've gone over, is him not thinking about it. He's just going for it. Running through the nighttime and looking like a wreck. Got too many highlights and a love bite on her neck. Looking for some pay daddies who maybe come around. (laughs) Everybody's wondering, (laughs) what's that sound? It's just, it's in the moment. It's refreshing. It's quick. It hits you right between the eyes. It's great. And again, feels like a real band. Right. Some of these I even thought, for whatever reason, the first time I heard them, like, this has got to be like the touring group. But nope. Paul, just killing it. He's on quite a streak with this multi-instrumentalist thing. I mean, he's been doing this for several albums in a row now. Yeah. Seems to really be in a groove with just laying everything down himself. When the sky is filled up with stones and heavy rain Trouble starts sliding across your mind It's hard for me to see which road I've got to take So the next track, Light From Your Lighthouse, track six. This one was inspired by Blind Willie Johnson's Let Your Light Shine On Me, which, you know, is pretty apparent. What do you think of this one? Oh, love this one. I love it entirely because of how wacky the record is. Right. It's, I mean, the song is, as we said, pretty much traditional, pretty straightforward. But man, has he made a strange arrangement of it. Again, an octave doubling thing. But this time, he's almost doing like a frog character with that low voice. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, it's so low. (laughs) Have we said one time so far, any of you is like, well, I don't know. We will. Ah. We will. (laughs) But you're six tracks in on a Paul McCartney album. Yeah. Post 2000. And we're like, that's a cracker, man. Yeah. That one's awesome. So Now, this is a sweet record, and this is really pretty much a straight-up acoustic record. You know, you got double bass again on this. You got mandolin. Mm-hmm. He's playing drums with, I think, brushes on this. Yes. Harmonium on this yes. track. And then all those multi-tracked vocals. So not very fireman-like. Pretty much a straight acoustic. Well, it's not really straight, but <laughs> in terms of the instrumentation, it's it's acoustic. Yes, 
It's a weird arrangement. Almost made me think of like Van Dyke Parks. Sure. The way that he can take a group of instruments and get something really eccentric out of them. Something off of Tokyo Rose, that album of his, yeah. <laughs> or the Popeye soundtrack. I don't know if you picked up that Harry Nilsson Popeye demos on Record Store Day. No, I, it sounds oh, like I need to. You should grab that, yeah. So yeah, next track, Sun is Shining. So we're nearing the end of the B-side of this record. But again, double disc, double vinyl. I know there's some kind of Christmas mix that's also available. And so this one, I also really love. It's like very positive, motivational. I love the I Get Up. I'm pretty sure there's a Linda McCartney song called I Got Up. And it's on Wild Prairie. Where she's, you know, people are slagging her off for basically just being married to Paul McCartney. People just want to take her down from that. And well, she's like, they were mad that she was in the band. But I think she was great in the band. I really do. Well, but a lot of people didn't. You know that. Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. There's nothing more to it than that. It just reminds me of that. So, you know, mm. I get every morning I get up, look out the window, I get up. All of these lyrics in this whole album is Paul just describing what he sees. But he has a very like delicate and flowery way of doing it in a way that doesn't come off as cheesy. And I think this is what like John Lennon was attracted to in Paul and a lot of his collaborators and what people really enjoy about him as a creative entity. He's just really one of the best when he's not trying too hard. When he's just taking it in and putting it out, he knocks it out of the park. I don't know how you feel about this track. Yeah, I like this track. It's another one. Like I said, it reminded me of Astral Weeks and just has a, a very positive feeling to it. This was pretty much a regular rock record, at least in terms of its basic tracks. But then they're doing a lot of interesting things with the guitars and Paul's playing some pretty elaborate stuff on bass. Yes. Yeah. Really great instrumentation on this one for sure.
So the next one, the actual final track on the B-side, is Dance Till We're High. This was another single off the record. And I actually did not take any notes on it, but I know that I really like it. And this is kind of where I start to slide into the, what song are we talking about again? Era of the record, you know, where it's like, Hmm. yeah, this one sounds kind of like that one and this one, but it doesn't mean I don't like it. Yeah, it's very much in the vein of Sun is Shining and Sing the Changes. And again, you know, it's a sort of a basic rock band, but he's doing some things like the tubular bells, which right. those just sound great. This is the closest thing to like a like a Paul McCartney pop song on the album to me. Mm-hmm. Bells will ring out for our love and he's playing the tubular bells with it. And that's like a little break sort of. So it's almost structured like a like an old fashioned McCartney hit. Right type thing yeah i definitely hear that for sure i guess maybe it didn't scan to me quite the same way because of the the arrangement the arrangements definitely are left of what he does Mm. yeah this is another one that has this huge sounding it just has this enormous soundscape almost cinematic quality to it yeah i think that's youth bringing all kinds of interesting you know effects to this big instrumentation it's a pretty big arrangement Then you get out the second LP of this set. First song is Lifelong Passion. And here's where I start to zone out a little bit. Okay. Now, this song actually holds my attention pretty well, but this is the point at which the album starts to, I start to snooze a little from here on out. This song, however, I can't listen to without hearing this old man. With a knick-knack, paddywhack, give a dog a bone. Right. This old man. that's pretty much what the tune of this is. (laughs) And so I walk away with knick-knack paddywhack in my head. (laughs) I suppose that's probably, you know, it's spontaneous song and he's just drawing on whatever's in his mental library of tunes. It may or may not have worked out that way. Those are, those are simple enough melodic notes. That it could come out that way, but it does yeah. remind me of this old man, which is, it's hard to get past that and take the song seriously. That's all. So I didn't hear that at all. <laughs> I really didn't. I like it's just I, me. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's just me. But I might, well, write us. Give me love, 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 love. Oh With yeah. With a knickknack, well. paddywhack, give a dog a bone. Yeah. It's. 
<laughs> well, hey, write in to us, take it away podcast at gmail.com. Did anybody else hear about that? Let us know. I, if you, or maybe you heard something else. I, who knows? It's a fun record, and you've got harmonium again on this one, and a clavelin, which is the the little melodic instrument on "Baby You're a Rich Man." I do love that little instrument, that like reed thing that Lennon is just mm-hmm. riffing on. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's this is this is another good, good track. It was also available briefly as a charity download for Adopt a Minefield, which I did not know. So Paul, the businessman, still trying to plug into different places to market this thing. I, I think it's a strong way to start the seaside. Wow, we're on the seaside now. Holy cow! So what about the next track? The nearly six-minute "Is This Love." Okay, now I'm spacing out big time. <laughs> well, yeah, these last four tracks or so are like, huh? Not that they're bad. I'm not saying they're bad. They, they're at the end of the record, I believe, for a reason, where they're more of what we saw initially with the Fireman Project. Well, this one's okay, and I probably enjoy Is This Love more than much of what's on Rushes, for example. Right. So I, I am finding some things to like about it. It's another beautiful production, beautiful arrangement. Flute, vibraphone. Like the swallow in my face, flow to me, home to me. I dig that. Like he's, you know, swallow, face, bird could be the action. A lot of what I love about Paul's lyrics is when he does the double or the triple entendre, or he mm-hmm. leaves something ambiguous so you can kind of create your own image or pivot the image in your mind and I, I find that a lot here when I'm reading the lyrics and when I'm listening to the music and that's what's so right. exciting about maybe some of these and it was even more so on this listen where it was like really rediscovering forget rediscovering discovering I was like holy cow I've never really sat down and listened to Is This Love by Paul McCartney if somebody had said that that was a title I'd be like no it's not I 
So Lovers in a Dream. Now this one I just plain dislike. Okay. Because of the disco groove, you know, because of the pounding bass drum and that kind of EDM vibe that it has. I really don't like it. Okay. I don't think I remember not liking it. It has nearly no words in it. and That's right. It's just kind of like a vibe track. I think he's mm-hmm. using to close out the C side of the album. Fair enough. I just find things like that boring. And I, I don't like that dance music feeling that it has. Cheap sounding dance music underneath. It's almost unnecessary. You could take the beats out and just have the ambient track. Right. What do you think of Universal Here, Everlasting Now? Okay, I like it a little bit more, actually, than Lovers in a Dream. It's not quite as obnoxiously dance music-y as that one was to my ear, hmm. but it is another groove tune. So you get a sort of melancholy piano at the beginning and at the end, framing the whole thing. And at the beginning, you do have about a minute or so of some cool kind of music concrete stuff that's not unlike Liverpool sound collage. But then it, it turns into another dance music track, and right. I, just zone, I just zone out on those things. Well, isn't that the point? I think that's the I, point. I don't like it. I don't want to zone out. I like, <laughs> for all the reasons you don't like it, I like it, I'd, okay. I'd say. Like, Lovers in a Dream and Universal Here and Everlasting Now, they're on the same par. They're similar, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, one has a bit more singing in it than the other. But yeah, just mm-hmm. cool sounds, vibe out stuff. I don't mind four on the floor. I really don't. I'm not putting this one on in the car all the time. If I put this record on, I'm listening to Highway or mm, Sing the Changes yeah. or something. But yeah, it's... I'm probably probably bailing after Dance Till We're High, if I'm honest about it. Thank you. 
Yeah, it would have been interesting if they had just made it like a 10 tracker or like a nine tracker. Something simple yeah. and then maybe a deluxe edition later. Cause yeah, there is a lot of overlap. But that leads us to the final track on the official release. Don't Stop Running. Atmospheric reminds me a little bit of rock band film music, like when a rock band does the score for a movie. Yes. <laughs> it sounds a little like that. What do you think of this one? I like the groove. I like the drumming and the bass line on it. We are in this part of the record where it's not really songs anymore. It's more of the original version of what the fireman was about. Exactly. We're really back to the fireman. And you're kind of, yeah, he's kind of swinging back. So it'd be interesting if... The next record he does kind of starts with that and then ends with songs or is entirely instrumental or maybe he never does another one. I'm not maybe. sure. Really good stuff. Really great album. If you were really only talking about three tracks near the end being iffy to you, we have a solid Paul McCartney album on our hands. Well, but those few tracks constitute a big chunk of the album. This reminds me a little bit of like, what is that? Todd Rundgren album, Healing, yes. where half the album is synthesizer stuff and the other half's like a, a Rundgren album. Yes. Healing from 1981. Yeah. Ooh, I'm going to gonna put this on today too. Yeah. That's six tracks that are pretty rad on the A side. And then that side two is, it's like just all healing. Uh-huh. And it's basically a synth piece, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a long yeah. synthesizer thing. So maybe this album breaks down a little bit that way, except it's more of a transition. We're basically starting with starting with lifelong passion. You begin to make this transition into ambient stuff. Well, we are actually not out of tracks somehow. There's a little bonus. So the previous song, Don't Stop Running, ends at 5.54, and then something at 7.57 begins, and that's Road Trip. And it's just, you know, it's kind of more of the same. This one's a little more fun to me because it's okay. sort of more like pure electronic music. 
it's spacey and not space out, but spacey in ways that are a little cliched. But overall, I think this is a this is a cool hidden track as hidden tracks go. I actually enjoy this a lot more than Universal Here or Lovers in a Dream. Mm. The final track, or on iTunes at least, it's an iTunes bonus track, is Saw, Ain, Ambient, Acapella, a remix of Lifelong Passion, which is minus the drums and the bass. There's a whole series of other stuff that kind of has fallen out as bonus materials. There's some multi-tracks, so I'll just I'll go down these. Is This Love, Solstice, Ambient, Acapella, and that thing is 15 minutes long. Traveling Light, that's an instrumental. Don't Stop Running, Wickerman, Ambient, Dub, 12 Minutes. So some of this stuff just reworked. Sing the Changes, Morning Mist, Instrumental Dub. Sun is Shining, Equinox, Instrumental. Lifelong Passion, Sawain, Instrumental Dub. So there's just like a lot of remixes. And I think this stems from the thing we saw in 93, where Paul and Co. just love watching this guy work, love hearing his versions of these songs yeah. and tracks. There's actually more. There's a nothing too much just out of sight. A promo edit, which is a bit shorter. Light from your lighthouse. It's an extended version. It's slightly longer. You have a sun is shining instrumental. A longer version of dance till we're high. And then highway, which is the electric dynamo lemon sherbet sunrise dubstep remix, which is right. just an awesome title. Yeah. <laughs> But that's a dubstep thing, so, you know, that's kind of flipping it on its head. And then there were music videos for Sing the Changes and Dance Till We're High, which are pretty cool. Just check those out. 
And then, so what was made available were five multi-tracks for Dance Till We're High, Highway, Light From Your Lighthouse, Sing the Changes, and Sun Is Shining. If you want to find those and take them apart, they're pretty interesting to hear all these overdubs and all these, you know, the nooks and crannies of stuff you don't traditionally hear in a mix. That's it. That's the record. Okay. Overall, I have a pretty positive impression of this album, as we said at the outset. Despite the fact that it kind of peters out, at least to my ear, yeah, the first half is so strong, and at least sonically and in terms of the feel of it, it's so much like what I actually want from Paul. Yeah, it's a great record. I'm glad I was forced to revisit it for our podcast, because I really don't know if I would have gotten back to it. Hmm. There's so much music to listen to. You're like, oh, well, yeah, I guess I'll get to that in a second. It was definitely something else listening to those instrumental records like in the car and just being like boy what song are we on now what yeah. track is this <laughs> it, wait did i restart the album accidentally and i had done that like a couple times <laughs> and i didn't realize it but i do have press so stephen thomas Erwine from all music writes There are more twists and turns, more textures than on any other McCartney album in the last 20 years. And if it's a little messy, so be it. It's better to have Paul letting it all hang out instead of hanging back. There you go. That's what you've been saying. Succinct. LA Times, Randy Lewis, November 24th, 2008. It has the feeling of yet another attempt to alter the latter-day public perception of McCartney as the square beetle. McCartney's bottomless well of melody ensures that none of it gets too far afield, even as the songs turn more amorphous as the album unfolds. The pair wraps things up with Don't Stop Running, a haunting minimalist rocker in which Paul McCartney repeats the title phrase as if a mantra to himself not to get caught up in the past, which is what we just saw. His memory almost full. This mm-hmm. is definitely on his mind. Rolling Stone called the album The Ex Beatles' Headiest Music in Years. Alex McPherson of The Guardian described the album as heavily labored hack work. Oh my goodness. He said wow. of the track, nothing too much just out of sight. This has been pegged by the more excitable tabloids as a hate rant against McCartney's (laughs) ex-wife. But if this is what she had to put up with, it just may have done the unthinkable and engendered sympathy for the poor woman. That is just... What the hell is he talking about? Yeah, what are you even talking about, man? Like, that just sounds like some British McCartney hate that we do see from time to time. It's funny because usually Paul gets slammed for not rocking enough. Ron Hart of Pop Matters rated Electric Argument 7 out of 10 and considered that the project's appeal depends on where you stand as a Macca fan. Following the singer's run of strong studio albums since Driving Rain in 2001, which I don't even agree with that about Driving Rain. He concludes, Electric Arguments does harbor its own unique charm that will certainly appeal to longtime fans more than Macca's previous pair of Fireman Jaunts. Fair. True. My favorite, though, is from Pitchfork, who are really kind to Paul these days, which I think is... I think that says a lot. Electric Arguments presents 
not so much an abrupt break from typical McCartneyisms as a gradual drift away from them. The album actually picks up right where Memory Almost Full's explosive closer nod your head left off, with McCartney adopting a comically over-the-top growl for the Zep heavy, nothing too much just out of sight. Rather than set a blustery tone for the rest of the album, the song effectively wipes the slate clean for the more meditative music to come. It's immediately followed by two magpies whose lo-fi acoustic ambiance and brushed snare beat harken back to the homespun charm of 1971's classic Ram. And that's what that's the point. Yeah. And that's it. That's press. All right. So, that's Electric Arguments. And that leaves a few more things, right? Yep. You're always going to get a bit of bonus stuff out of our podcast. There's no, <laughs> no way around that, folks. So, the first thing we should touch on is this... I mean, at this point, is it even that unusual? Is the Twin Freaks project that Paul put out June 14th, 2005. It was recorded 2004 to 2005. And for... Better or for worse, this is how Paul opened his shows. This is a collaborative album with DJ and producer, freelance Hellraiser, Roy Carr. He was an artist that became famous for mashing up popular music around this time. You'd have a sample of a Stroke song mixed with a Christina Aguilera song. And so this is at this point in time as of recording, this is a pretty popular and prominent style of creating music. But at the time, this is pretty new, at least to Paul McCartney fans. Like I know, I mean, you could go back to run DMC's Walk This Way with Aerosmith, but I don't know if we want to tread that far back. But anyway. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there are precedents, but the whole idea of like a mashup was really coming into vogue around this time. Yes. And so all of these versions were made and you'd go to a Paul McCartney show and Paul McCartney's remix songs would open for Paul McCartney. And so they ended up creating a double vinyl album from the 2004 tour where these are from, and they released them. And it's not really any more complicated than that. They were available digitally, online. What do you think of these? I would say that this is fairly entertaining to listen through one time. (laughs) <laughs> just because, you know, just hearing the songs recontextualized yeah. and hearing someone do this with them is interesting once. I don't think I'd revisit it, but... I guess that's fair enough to say.
the track list is as follows. It's Really Love You, Long-Haired Lady, Rinse the Raindrops, Dark Room, Live and Let Die, Temporary Secretary, What's That You're Doing, Oh Woman Oh Why, Mumbo, La Lula, which is based on the old Siam Sir riff from Back to the Egg. Coming up, Maybe I'm Amazed, and that's it. That's the whole record. And so a lot of those songs have other samples from Paul McCartney's career, like the multi-tracks, like baked in there. And Mm -hmm. I think it's worth it to check this record out to just hear some of McCartney's songs superimposed. It's fun music. And there's actually... Believe it or not, a whole other disc of this stuff that has gotten out since then. A version of Let Em In by Professor LaCroix. Silly Love Songs by you know, a few versions of that. Another, a radio edit of Really Love You, because that was actually Really Love You and What's That You're Doing released as singles. Let Em In, Different Gear Mix, Good Night Tonight. Coming up, Linus Loves Mix. No More Lonely Nights is done. Silly Love Songs is done. Temporary Secretary. There's actually a radio edit done of that, which is pretty cool, that one. Included in this set were a bunch of these explanations of these old songs. And all of this stuff is worth it to check out. I don't know if we're going to spend the time here breaking them down. It's more... Grab it, listen to it, enjoy it. That's that. Well, I listened through some of those as well, and similar reaction as with Twin Freaks, although maybe not as well done as Twin Freaks. Yeah. I, I barely remember. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that's just totally blurring together. If I had to pick my favorites, if I had to think about this, I really love that temporary secretary on there. I think it's really fun and interesting. Coming up was pretty cool, too. From there, we jump all the way to 2013. There's a track called Out of Sight that youth is also involved with, with the Italian artist Sir Bob Cornelius Rifo, whose one-man show goes by the name The Bloody Beetroots. So this is a track you should check out. It is very much 2013 dance music. And it just goes to show that Paul is still experimenting, still getting himself out there, still just like pushing the boundaries of what he's doing. And he's still working with youth. Comes five years after the Electric Arguments Project. And take it for what it is. All right. Is that it? That's it. We made it. Wow. Yeah, that was a big episode for a side topic like this, you know? Yeah, it was. And... There's a lot of material to go through. You should. You should write us an email about it. That's takeitawaypodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what your favorite tracks are. Keep following us on Facebook, 
join our Facebook group, which you know really is starting to do some some numbers and yeah, just reach out. We we love joining you guys in on this conversation and I think this podcast was made for episodes like this, right? Yeah, pretty much. Any final thoughts before we leave everybody today? Well, I thought you know it was important to cover this material because dabbling in electronic music and in dance music, as we said earlier, is something Paul's always done. I mean, this goes not only back to McCartney too, but really predates that. There's some stuff from the London town era that's a lot like that. That's right. And even Night Out is a bit of a precedent for all of that. Right. So this kind of work has deep roots in McCartney's catalog and it seems well worth covering this. And, you know, I enjoyed hearing some of this. I don't know how much I'll revisit it as, as we both said at times, but Electric Arguments really stands up for me as, as a solid late McCartney entry. It's a great album, and I'm glad we did it. Thanks for making me revisit this stuff. So we'll go out, as always, with a little preview of our next episode. Thank you. If you ask her how it's done, she won't know It's like trying to catch the sun on the water She tries to explain, then it happens again Everybody's looking at her She's got everybody talking Our theme music is Martha, My Dear by John Lennon and Paul McCartney, realized by Ryan Brady. Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney archive podcast is powered by Pippa. (laughs) 